As we gather this morning, our rector, Chris, is in the Holy Land leading a group of families from St. Michael on pilgrimage. Next year, I'll be leading an adult trip to the Holy Land. And in fact, the information for that trip is next Sunday, the 20th. So if you are at all interested in making this pilgrimage with your church family, I invite you to attend and hear more about it. I've never been to the Holy Land, and so I'm really looking forward to it. But there are some common themes that arise when you talk to folks who have been. They say that the biblical stories come alive in a new way when you've experienced the geographic setting of the story. That one feels closer to Jesus, stepping foot on the same land where Jesus walked. And that all those locales and locations of those biblical stories are much closer together than you imagine. And so I'm looking forward to my image of Jesus and his ministry becoming deeper and richer once I've experienced the Holy Land. And yet, I know that this also means that I will need to let go or revise some of the images of Jesus that I've been carrying around all of these years. As most of you probably do, I have images of Jesus that I conjure when I hear the gospel stories. I envision him walking on the shore, calling his disciples. I envision Jesus sitting in the center of a raucous meal full of laughter. I envision Jesus trying to hide his anger and disgust with the religious leaders and their hard-heartedness. And yet in all of the ways and in all of the settings that I envision Jesus, I never picture him lamenting over us. I think this is why I find our gospel passage for today so moving. During Lent, we are traveling with Luke and Jesus to Jerusalem. Jerusalem is a really important touchstone for Luke. Luke refers to Jerusalem 90 times. All of the other writers in the whole New Testament combined only mention Jerusalem half as much. For Luke, Jerusalem represents God's people. And half of his gospel is dedicated to Jesus' journey to Jerusalem where he will die. And Luke begins this section of his gospel by saying, when the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. On this journey, Jesus sends out the 72 by two to prepare the places that he will go on the way. He teaches the disciples the Lord's prayer and he denounces the Pharisees for being clean on the outside, but dirty on the inside. He tells parables, encouraging people to live for God and not for the treasures of this world, to be bold in acknowledging God and assuring them that our smallest efforts can be made great in God's kingdom. After all of these chapters of teaching and chastising and encouraging, we arrive at our passage for today. It begins with the Pharisees coming to warn Jesus about Herod. If you think it's odd that the Pharisees, who have been none too friendly to Jesus so far, are acting as if they're trying to protect him, know that Jesus thinks it's suspicious as well. Assuming that the Pharisees are in cahoots with Herod, Jesus gives them a message for that old fox. Jesus has work to do and a mission to accomplish, and nobody, not even Herod, is going to keep him from doing it. Accomplishing his mission means getting to Jerusalem. 
And according to Luke, he's only halfway through the journey. But as Jesus mentions Jerusalem, it's as if his whole demeanor changes. He immediately moves from anger and disdain to sadness and lament. He uses this really vulnerable, intimate image of a mother hen who wishes to gather her children under her wings. He laments Jerusalem's lack of understanding, lack of love, lack of the knowledge of God. Resistant, rebellious Jerusalem, knowing herself to be God's beloved child and yet insistent on finding her own way, marching down her own path, making her own mistakes. I think this lamenting, weeping Jesus touches my heart because as a parent, it is so relatable. I imagine a father saying to his son, you could have avoided so much grief and pain if you would have listened and learned from my mistakes and my wisdom, but you just weren't willing. I imagine a mother reaching out to hug her teenage daughter who rolls her eyes and squirms to get away. Any parent who experiences the rejection of a child knows these conflicting feelings. Love is unreturned. Care is rejected and resented. Guidance is spurned. Jesus is lamenting over Jerusalem as we would over a rebellious child. We cry over them. Tears of frustration and fear for their future and our powerlessness to save them. And at the same time, we wanna shake them and say, stop it, you're hurting yourself. There is no joy, no satisfaction, no I told you so in Jesus' words to Jerusalem. There's only deep sadness, the sadness of unrequited love. Here, Jesus' voice is the voice of God, the rejected, frustrated God that has called this people as his very own, has formed them, and has accompanied them throughout their history. The whole Old Testament is the story of God working to build a relationship with his people. Our first reading for today is the story of God covenanting with Abraham. It is the beginning of the story in a way. God promises us care and protection and God keeps returning to that promise even when we have strayed far away and gotten ourselves into all kinds of trouble. He leads us out of slavery where we then moan and complain that our lives are harder in freedom than they were in servitude. He wants to be our only king, but we insist that he give us lesser human kings. He asks us to be faithful to him, but we continue to be wooed and seduced by all the shiny toys and experiences of this world. The message of the prophets time and again is that God is calling us to return to him. Hosea's whole prophetic diatribe is about how God is the faithful husband and we are his cheating wife that can't stay home and act respectable. And even here, God's desire is not to punish us, but to bring us back to him. 
This is the pattern of God through the ages. God seeks us out, searches for us over and over again. Many times, like spiritual adolescents, our response is to push him away. And it is this separation from him that grieves God. During this season of Lent, we are looking at how we are called to a deeper, more committed relationship with God based on the example of Jesus. And so we do well to ask, how are we like Jerusalem? How are we rejecting God's love and care? Why is it so very hard for us like Jerusalem to accept God's grace? Is it because we don't believe that we are worthy of it? Have we traveled so far from God, done something so dreadful that we believe we are excluded from his saving forgiveness? Is it because like adolescents, we wanna make it on our own? We want our independence to travel lean and light through our lives. We want to chart our own course without the burden that relationship with God might create for us. Do we move away from God because otherwise we might have to look honestly at ourselves? We might have to admit our true motivations and even harder, be willing to let God transform those in us? Is it because we believe that God will punish us, be angry with us, insist on some kind of reckoning before he opens his arms to us? I don't know what your reason for rejecting God's grace might be, but this is what I do know. Just like any loving parent, all God wants is to have a relationship with us. All of his seeking and forgiving and searching and pursuing over the generations come from his desire to have a relationship with us. Like any loving parent, what he really wants is for us to let him be a part of our lives. Jesus continues God's pattern of seeking and searching. If he cannot spread his wings as a mother hen to gather us to himself, he will spread his arms of love on the hard wood of the cross that everyone might come within reach of God's saving embrace. This is the heart and character of God. God's response to our rejection over the years is not retribution, but lamentation and persistence. No place, no person is excluded from God's persistent love. In this passage, Jesus tells us that God is not done with Jerusalem. God is not done with us as well. He persists in calling us back to himself. We are invited to move beyond our fear, our resistance or shame or guilt, to move beyond all of these things to the grace, the forgiveness, to the mercy of God, to the love of a God who longs to gather us to himself as a mother hen gathers her chicks under the protection of her wings. Amen.